Welcome to Spiritual Soundings, a series of podcasts designed to explore the Christian faith in a slightly different way, looking at life through a God-shaped lens, making connections that we might not at first make. and welcome to another edition of the Spiritual Soundings podcast. My guests today are Rebecca Parnaby-Rook and Dave Lucas, who are between them the pioneers and hosts of The Ordinary Office, which many of you may be familiar with through Twitter. Rebecca, tell us a little bit about what um, got you going with the work that you're doing. I noticed particularly that... uh, you, uh, I think, were involved with the production of um, a very beautiful, uh, I suppose it is a a site on Twitter called A Project for the Broken Church, which has some very beautiful pictorial evidences of that. Can can you tell us a little bit about what your work is and what's actually brought you to be doing what you're doing? So I started off, I was worship leader in a, a mainstream church and through various issues around inclusive theology and my own journey with my autistic child and various struggles which um, were very painful on both sides, I left established church and was exploring the wilderness essentially and somebody invited me to join a project called May Write a Little which invited us to write one thing every day in May. I started a blog to um, present my content during May that year, um, 2020. And um, through that, I presented on Twitter and started reaching a whole community of people who were thinking the same as I was, feeling the same as I was, disenfranchised and disillusioned and actually finding a whole a whole arena of different theological approaches, stances. I learned about feminism, womanism, um, womanist theology, liberation theology, um, all kinds of different approaches that really sang to my heart. And through projects such as contributing a picture and a poem to to the project that you've just spoken of and getting in connection with Dave Lucas at the Ordinary Office and um, various other things that I've done. I've contributed to um, an international app called Our Bible App. I've contributed devotionals to them. My writing really gave, gave life to this sense of but my voice and what I have to say, it's necessary. There are people out there who need to hear this and it's important. And we need to speak out about the exclusion of LGBTQ plus people, of disabled people, of people with trauma and mental health issues in our church communities and how they are treated. Otherwise, we are doing them a disservice. Thank you. Thank you, Rebecca. That's um. That's really important. You you did come to be then working with Dave on on an ordinary office. And I just wonder, Dave, whether you could talk a little bit about your contribution, because you seem to have met coming from not quite different directions, from very similar directions, but from a very different kind of story of your own. What's your story, Dave? And how did you come to be doing what you're doing with Rebecca? I I grew up um, a Roman Catholic trained for the priesthood in the Roman Catholic Church. Um, my first kind of experience of kind of being 
disenfranchised was I was about a month away from full ordination when I went to the head of my order and told him uh, about some abuse that was going on that I knew of that once I was ordained I would be living in that very community where that was happening so I told him what I knew so what he told you, me. So, so Dave what would you say about disenfranchisement what do you think what interests me about both of you where you're both coming from is that you are very much people and a movement for those on the margins of the churches. Disenfranchised, I think what I mean is it's the church would like to say we've left the church. For the disenfranchised, it's the church that's left us. Yeah, that and that's a, a very important thing. But I think also you are more than that because you are, it seems to me, prophetically potentially um, quite a dynamic movement for the future of the church, particularly uh, perhaps um, as we increasingly rely on online church movements. Um, would, would you agree with that, Dave? Yes, I would. I think that the organised church has created many situations where people have become disenfranchised. People are have been so damaged by their experience of church. If it was any other form of abuse, you would not send a child that had been abused, back to live in that same household again. The, the whole way that church seems to want to work is, yeah, we're, we're, we're kind of prepared to acknowledge that these people have been abused, but how do we bring them back? And what I think the abused people are saying to us is, we're not going back. That is not a safe place for us. And I'm not just talking about sexual abuse, I'm talking about people who've been abused because of their race, their disability, their sexuality, their gender. I came at it because of my disability. I'm registered blind. And, and, and that was where I started. But on this journey, I've met so many people who consider themselves disenfranchised, but their experience and journey is way different than mine. And Rebecca, I, I, yeah. I was just going to say, my, my journey is to do with, with mental health and trauma. Um, it dovetails the disability. I, I have divorce in my story. And... Um, the, the, uh, a whole lot of different elements that led me to believe that the the kind of standard narrative that I was brought up with of how a good Christian woman should should live and should experience life couldn't hold up and and therefore we have to embrace every individual as they are and we have to provide a space where inclusivity means inclusivity and 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 that's okay. And we never set out. The the important thing to say, sorry, before you ask your question, is the important (laughs) thing to say is we never set out to be this trailblazing prophetic community. There was never any intentionality behind that. We're not here deliberately trying to be pioneers who want to do this. We are literally two people of quite ill health and not a lot of, of, of capacity, just offering the little that we have with a couple of mobile phones and, a, and basic editing technology between us, just what we can give. And we've attracted a community of nearly 20,000 followers. It's incredible. It is absolutely incredible. And what, to me, it brings to mind straight away is that isn't this exactly what Jesus would be doing today? (laughs) Um, I mean, you know, I can't help but associate your 20,000 followers who are are out there in the ether, so to speak, with, with the people who followed him up the sides of mountains and across lakes and wherever. 
What do you think? I mean, I'm also thinking back to some of the stuff that Dave was just talking about. It makes me think of something that he said, I believe, that, or perhaps it was you who said it, Rebecca, that somewhere everybody is on the disability spectrum. And that perhaps one of the problems that there is in the world, and, and obviously in the church, is that we don't own our own woundedness. Would you say that something like the ordinary office helps people to own their own woundedness? Is that something you're trying to do? I've written about that in a sense. And I think to to take a very, very complicated question and answer it as succinctly as possible, we... So, for example, if I'm recording a sermon and I really don't feel well enough to do it that day, I will prop myself up in cushions, hire a blanket over my knee and and record it looking as I am. Because we're not about perfection. We're not about setting up an image. We're not about showing that only people who have certain, um, uh, you know, pass a certain bar can speak to our community. We are about being who we are as we are. Um, giving what we have to God and we welcome anybody to, to do that um, in discussion with Dave and I who are very clear about um, safeguarding and protecting our community and all of that we don't you know we don't take um, our responsibilities lightly um, but we we want to reflect that we are just ordinary people giving what we have to God and and you are too to so join us on the journey. Dave, I don't well, know if you have anything to add. I think part, part of what you were saying, Lorraine, you know, um, my whole journey that, that ultimately became the ordinary office started when, when I was told at 27 I was losing my sight. And my world fell apart. And it took me another 20 years to, to be able to say comfortably, I'm Dave and I'm blind. And so, yeah, there's something about embracing your brokenness. But to say that now makes it sound incredibly trite and, and, and easy. This has been a journey that's taken my whole life. And so we're talking to people who are trying to embrace their brokenness in whatever that brokenness is and saying to them, it's okay to be angry about it. Yep. It's okay to be upset about it. Here is a place where you can be those things and nobody's going to tell you you shouldn't. Yeah. I think I think this is really important because one of the things that I, I sense is often lacking in the context of, of more formal church settings is the embracing of gift. And what you are bringing to people is, is, is first of all, the, the unique value of the human person, which is tremendously important but that actually our gifts our our wounds are our gifts yes and 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 that I think is a very liberating idea because it actually invites everybody and we all have wounds not to think of themselves as passive victims but to think of themselves as We've, we've had situations on twitter where someone who is new to whatever situation they're facing and you know it's just come out of the blue at them and they're really struggling to cope with it. And they come onto Twitter and they're ranting and raging and they're swearing and they're, they're angry. And I've had people private message me and say, you know, people who consider themselves to be good Christian people private messaging me saying, Dave, you need to lose that person. This isn't a good look. And my response is, if anybody goes, it's you. 
this is a space where you can be that person and work it through. I and would we have need to be coming alongside Years later, we're still doing it. Yeah, I would have a problem with that. But, but the Americans have this wonderful phrase, you know, a pity party, you know. And, and I think everybody's entitled to that pity party. And, and they need the space where they can have their pity party. And the ordinary office, I, I'm going to defend it. That is that space. You can come here and you can have your pity party and it's fine. Yeah. Rebecca, you were going to add something there. Yes, I think that the, the what, what Dave is saying about, you know, if anybody's going to go, it's you. I think we have a responsibility to come alongside people in that pity party and say, we're here. Yeah. We're here. And the church, the established church, isn't very good at that. They're very good at saying, we'll pray for your healing. I can see you're walking with a stick. Let me let me lay my hands on you and pray that you will miraculously walk again. I've got long COVID. It's eight months now. I've, I haven't once yet prayed for healing because there is so much trauma mixed up in that praying for healing thing that I, I just can't do it. I'm praying for God to walk with me in my journey and for, for their will to be done. Um, you'll notice my use of inclusive there. Um, that's how I, how I speak to God. Um, but I can't pray for healing because of, of, of how loaded that is for people with, with disabilities. Um, and, and the church has done that. Yeah. So, and you've, ri you've written and said something very interesting on, on the parables. And there's one in particular. Um, you've talked about disability through the parables particularly one on workers in the vineyard, which I think was, was a very powerful message. Can you, can you tell us a little bit more about that? What, what drove that? Oh, goodness, yes. <laughs> um, <laughs> so um, with the, the, the parable of the workers in the vineyard, um, thinking about why those workers were still there um, when, um, as the day went on, and who the original workers would have been that were chosen. Um, they would have been the strong, robust uh, men who had the muscles and the, the, the strength. And the people who were later on in the day, still in the, in the, um, in the marketplace, um, perhaps they were the ones who had weak muscles because they had a degenerative disorder, or perhaps they were the autistic ones who at the first sign of an ass braying would have dropped all of the corn because of the sensory um, overload. Um, yet these, they were still picked up at a time that was appropriate to them and their work, their contribution was still valued at the end of the day with the same amount of coin. All of our contributions, whoever we are, however we come to the field and whatever we give, they are still equally valued to God. It really, this is really important. Um, and it actually actually brings me on to another aspect of both of your work, which is the, the whole value, um, some would say it doesn't have value, of online prayer. Um, I have, you know, I have noticed just following your Twitter feed a bit that every now and then you get people saying, well, you know, it's not the real thing. And, and one hears it from elsewhere. People criticise Zoom services. But apart from the fact that I believe that, you know, online is here to stay. And so we're stupid not to make the best of it. I'm not sure I agree with them. So I'd love to know 
perhaps from you, Dave, a little bit what you feel about that. And also, Dave, as part of that, I, I noticed that uh, Celtic Christianity has played a very important part in your journey. How has that fed into the work of, of the Ordinary Office? It just leaks. It just leaks into it because of who I am and because of my history. I, I mean, I'm a Geordie. I live in the northeast, which is, you know, the kind of cradle of Celtic Christianity, Jarrow, my hometown, Bead. I spent lots of time on Lindisfarne. I grew up. The people who now run the Northumbria community were, back in the 80s, were just pals of mine. We were just a bunch of pals doing stuff together. So I've grown up around it. So it just it just seeps into it. It's not a conscious thing. It's just there. I think the thing I've learned from the Celtic thing is, is they, they talk a lot about thin spaces and thin experiences. And my whole ambition is... I think the reason that that a lot of stuff doesn't work online is because the people who are doing it don't seek that thinness consciously. And and I want our online experience to be a thin experience. So I try and find, you know, music and writings and things that that will help that. I think this is such an important um, area you've touched on there, Dave. And I get the feeling that even though people may not go to church, a lot more of them are going to the ordinary office, that there is, there is a need for the sacred in the hearts of individuals, actually. Yes. How, do, how do you feel, both of you, how do you feel that your work fills that need, satisfies that need? In what, what way do you think, if, you, if there's an answer to that? I've had a kind of, kind of desert experience. Uh, uh, you know, when, when I left the seminary, I spent a long time not going to any church because I didn't know where to go and because the Catholic Church was definitely saying to me, stay away. So I kind of, I clung to my bravery and I said my, my office every day. But for 10 years, that was the only thing I was doing. I've got a friend who says to me, you know, I haven't heard from God in years, but I cling to the memory of the things he said to me when, when I was hearing from him. That's wonderful. And, and I think wonderful that's story. part of it. Yeah, wonderful. And, and Rebecca, did you have anything to add to that about how people sense the holy through the work that you're both doing? I think there is something accessible to everybody in what we're doing. Whether I, I, I was a worship leader, I really struggle with music at the moment. I'm also a music therapist. So I understand a lot about the power of music and creativity and the intersection with spirituality. But if Dave does incredible things with the music, but if that's not something that you can access, the, the, the words, the simplicity, yet the beauty of the liturgy and the blessings that we write, we use the same thing every week. So there's familiarity, but we change it subtly so that we're acknowledging what's going on in the world and really connecting with people over the things that are that are concerning them where we're making sure that we are walking alongside our community in the things that we know are on their minds because not just on our Sunday service day in day out we're alongside them on Twitter um interacting with them having banter with them you know two Geordies having jokes about fish and chips at the seaside and you know everybody laughs with us and we laugh with them when then you know when one of us is too ill to post prayers people are now starting to start to step in and do it out of their own 
hearts, which is wonderful to see the community starting to to grow beyond its initial conception and leadership. It's um, the, the the fact that we use symbols and audio versions and video versions, so there are different ways to access what we deem. Um, we'd love to do more of that, but we are only two people. So as we say to, to anybody who, who questions that, um, you know, join us and help us if you, if you would like to. It's the broad appeal, it's the inclusivity, and, and, and God is just at the heart of it. They really are. I think, I think that's a pretty good note to, to kind of, <laughs> quite honestly, for our listeners to know that absolutely everyone is welcome into this really egalitarian society because there isn't a, a top-down hierarchy at all. Rebecca and Dave, you are both very humble leaders and you lead side by side and you lead with a very gentle touch. And it feels like a very Christian community in the best sense of the word. So um, I do wish you both all every blessing for the future and its ongoing work. And I hope very much that those who have listened to this podcast and feel they identify with it will reach out to you through Twitter. That's the Ordinary Office, which has got a big Twitter following and easily found. Thank you both, Rebecca Parnaby Rook and Dave Lucas. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this podcast. I hope you found it helpful. Come back.